What what the listener doesn't know is that we cut midway through this to have a daring adventure where Jeb had to fight a pterodactyl. And it was cool, but the problem is the pterodactyl sounded a lot like Canadian fireworks because it's the 4th of July there, apparently. And it's the 4th of July in a lot of places, really. The the point is, letting you, listener, dear listener, hear Jeb fighting a pterodactyl would violate the rules of show, don't tell. So we figured we'd just trim that out. Also, it took us, like, hours and hours to get back because I wouldn't let them leave until we found the last spider. Oh, god damn this woman yeah if uh, you're gonna go you have to finish it i was carrying a bucket the whole time just so you schmucks could breathe if you didn't want to carry the bucket you should have leveled up your swordsmanship more anyway so hello listener and welcome to the downloadable concept smooth jazz hour here with the latest in the hip tunes is fox lee we can't go on together with suspicious mind. Suspicious mind. They call him the man who knows the piccolo what the flute don't, Jeb Ranch. I'm more of a fan of Goku. And I have got a really suspicious sounding voice. I'm Talon Lee. Remember, here at the downloadable concept Smooth Jazz Hour, there's only one rule. Michael Buble doesn't count. Hey Jeb, what you been playing? I've been playing Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. Boo, boo, boo. Sell out. Ah! I got it for free. Okay. Somehow somehow getting a free copy of a game about pirates makes total sense to me now. <laughs> getting a stolen copy of a game about pirates should make sense to you. I admit that's exactly what I assumed. Giving things away for free is the exact opposite of pirates. Go no, on, it's, Jeff. It's the, uh, it's the, fir- the first July uh, Xbox Live game of gold. So oh. I downloaded it and I played it. And uh, it's really good. The complaints I had playing Assassin's Creed 4, specifically, were that my computer just couldn't run it. I didn't get deep (laughs) enough into it because it just would not functionally run. So as much as I would love to, you know, have this sort of, well, what about these problems with the game? I I got nothing. I've only got hearsay at this point. And I imagine the X-Bone has got more than enough power to, you know, throw it out a window. To to play a game that runs on the Wii U? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My concern about it was that it seemed to be, like, uh, you know, forcing a different thing into Assassin's Creed when they should have just made a pirate game. Um, it works really well because, first of all, the boats, part, the boat parts are really, really well done and really fun. Yeah? <laughs> the, the boats handle, like, big boats would, and you, it's not like a lot of other naval combat games where it's, you know, hardcore cannon calibration and stuff like that. It's a little bit easier to do, but you still have to line up your broadsides and angle your swivel cannon. And <laughs> It's a lot like a joust rather than a really hardcore ship simulation. Mm-hmm. Also, from the bit of the ship technique stuff I played in Assassin's Creed 3, which I know they refined that, uh, the the handling of the boats being big and slow and ponderous makes it kind of easy to correct screw-ups, which Mm -hmm. is nice. And as far as the actual ship-to-ship combat goes, uh, there's that, there's that, what, three-second gif flying around of Conway swinging across, uh, on a rope, kicking one guy, sorry, hitting one guy with the, with his body when he lands, kicking another guy over the edge, stabbing someone, and then, uh, shooting a fourth guy. It's like, yep, that was... Yeah, that's, that's pirates. That's pirates as you can get. And you, that, I haven't seen the gift, but you can do that in gameplay. Yeah. I'm not saying it wasn't good pirates. I just figured it probably wouldn't be very good assassins. 
Um, well, here's the fun part, is that Kenway, so far in my game, is not an assassin. Yeah, see? He's a dude who took the gear from another assassin. And what I like, one thing I really like about it is he doesn't quite move like an assassin does in the other games. That's cool. He's a bit more muscular, a bit stronger. Uh, like, his build is a bit more upper body than, than slender and sleek. <laughs> Wait, you thought the other assassins were slender and sleek? Compared to Kenway, yeah. Kenway's a top-heavy motherfucker. And he moves like it. Yeah, the other guys are mostly squares. No, they're mostly extended rectangles. but... (laughs) Yeah, Arkham, you're piloting fridges around. Well, Kenway is a V. (laughs) And he moves like it. He moves a lot less agilely than than Altair and uh, Ezio. Is Four the one where they also stop giving crap about Desmond? Uh, they briefly mention him, but yes. <laughs> He's a brain in a jar. Oh, they get rid of future Desmond because no one cared. Yeah. Uh, yes, well, he was very dull. It's interesting you bring up movement specifically, because I haven't played a ton of Assassin's Creed 4, but I have been able to move Kenway around, and I did notice that movement difference. I thought at the time it was just tacky controls. but feels really deliberate, and it also, like I said, he, he is more muscular than the other characters, so he moves... He's still he's still obviously really quick because he can do all the the, the parkour stuff. But there's a, a different weight to it, and the way he moves, the way he's animated, has a lot more of the way he transfers his weight using his upper body as opposed to his lower body. Yeah, I was going to bring this up with the weight thing because I have played Freedom Cry and I have played uh, Rev, Rev- Avaline's game. I can't remember the ne- the particular <laughs> surname they gave it. Uh, but with those, um, sorry, specifically with the weight difference on Kenway, I noticed that it, he felt like he had a very top-heavy momentum. Like, if mm-hmm. you run into a crowd, stop running, he will probably bump someone with his upper half. Mm-hmm. That's, he does that. That's a very small detail, I, and I thought I might have been imagining it. So it's very it's, interesting that you bring that up. It's one of the first things I noticed about how the game moved, because... I, I played, I almost, like, I almost, um, 100% in Assassin's Creed 2. I played a lot of that. I played a whole lot of Assassin's Creed 2. I played a whole lot of Ezio. And he moved really fluidly. And for all you can say about his personality and his character, that's the kind of the one thing he had going for him. Yeah. Is that he moved really fluid. He, he had really fluid movements. He moved quick. It was easy to direct him where to go. It's still he was easy. distinctly different from Altair in that regard. Because mm-hmm. Altair had a, he was he was agile, but kind of slow still. Altair was much about mode shifting. Altair mm-hmm. very conspicuously could shift speeds. It it projected uh-huh. very much a technical student of parkour, whereas mm-hmm. Ezio's felt much more reflective of a dude who did parkour as part of lifestyle. That's and really then, interesting. And then uh, Kenway's feels like feels like someone who picked it up climbing rigging. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty <coughs> I assume they all played more or less the same. They play enough the same that it's very easy to say they're basically the same, but the problem is when you get a hundred hours into any of these games, you really become familiar with all the little nooks and crannies. Okay, so this is not necessarily something you would notice. You mm. might because you're very visually astute, but broadly speaking, I don't think this is something that most players would notice. But I wouldn't given, say visually astute so much as alert to animations. Given the way that Ubisoft know they're trying to make sure a player plays the game for 80 plus hours, I imagine that there is a very serious effort to make sure these things are there. Oh, I'm not saying it's by accident, but it is interesting that you 
described as being something that if you didn't play the game for those 80 plus hours it's let's face it a lot of people don't mm. uh i did find the interesting triangle of freedom of movement between Adewale, Aveline, and uh, Kenway. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't played any of the, the side stuff like that. So. Okay, so Kenway can just flat out go where he wants. If he clambers on the sides of buildings or if he gets seen doing a crime, then people react to that. But broadly mm-hmm. speaking, he just goes where he wants. Right. Oh, social freedom of movement. Sort of, yeah. Adewale can't go anywhere with his sword out. He can't go anywhere with his sword right. without attracting attention. He just inherently gets attention because he's a former slave. He's a black guy. He's moving through areas where those people are not trusted. Mm. Those people. People who are black aren't trusted. Aveline has a step higher than that where if she's in her assassin's garb and therefore armed, visibly, she flat out automatically has high level of ren- mm. renown. Like, guards are just like automatically... That's weird. <clears throat> and to blend in, Aveline then has to change costumes. And you wind up with one outfit where she can't parkour at all. And she projects being a, a fancy noble lady. And in that case, there's an extra obstacle added to the game. Because suddenly guards won't stop you. But normal dudes yeah. will just get in your path and try to talk to you and interrupt. It's such a... Literally, it's a game mechanic about getting catcalled. <laughs> Yeah. I did think what they did with her costumes was one of the most interesting things they've done in the series, mm. like ever. Also, the the notoriety system with Aveline, where each of her three costumes get their own notoriety, mm. and they can all interact with the other ones' notoriety. Like the noblewoman can pay off judges to get the get the slaves' reputation down. The slave can destroy wanted posters to get the uh, assassins down. But yeah, so th- this this triad of structure in that the mo- the biggest and most open of these games is obviously four, where Kenway can get on a fucking boat and just go where he wants. Mm. And costume changing is its own. Uh, well, the the fact that they have separate reputations is its own kind of rather clever comment. Mm-hmm. Like no one cares who this woman actually appears to be. They are literally taking her at the value of her clothing. Mm. And Adewale, it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing. If you're a, if you're a big black guy with a weapon, yeah. congratulations, people are going to be really yeah. awful to you. That one is far less subtle, but no less uh, useful as a, an observation. <laughs> like, hey, you may not have thought about this. You, you probably should think about this. Yeah. And, and so in that regard, I do like what they tried to do. But the game itself... As an experience, Jeb, do you see yourself going all the way through it and, you know, uh, picking up all the shanties? Probably. I mean, collectible sea shanties. <laughs> uh, I already have, uh, I've already picked up all the collectibles on, uh, one tiny island, uh, Nassau and Havana, so, and I've just recently started chapter two, so. It's, I, one of the things I like about Assassin's Creed 4 as well, is that the use of boats creates space. Sorry, did I say two? Assassin's Creed 4. No, you said four. Okay, cool. Assassin's Creed 4 is the bo- the use of boats and the use of ocean as connecting tissue means you don't get this problem you have in, say, not to kick a dog while it's down, watchdogs, where a lot of that city is meant to just be stuff you travel through on the way to other stuff. But because it's a space where people live, it looks weird and artificial if you don't have people doing things and stuff happening in that area. Whereas in the ocean, it's just like, yeah, it's ocean. There's a giant slabbing honk of water between where you want to go. Isn't that both a good and a bad thing, though? Because these are supposed to be open world games. Yeah. And if a large chunk of your open world has nothing much going on. It's not well, like there's... people complaining about Wind Waker having endless amounts of sailing in it. Well, there are still there are still piratings to do 
as you go about. There are tiny islands that you can hunt on, and you can look for treasure, and you can pirate, uh, you can intercept royal royal ships and, and merchant vessels and steal their stuff. Also, I quite like that Wind Waker had a ton of sailing in it. I like the sailing in Wind Waker, too. A friend of mine in... Another friend of mine in Canada remarked, for his taste, he really loved all the pirate bits of Assassin's Creed 4. And then when he got, ran out of them and then was like, yes, you have to go do Assassin stuff now. He's like, yeah, I'm done with this game. The Assassin stuff was really fun. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with either of you. I just think it's an interesting thing that the, the uh, pirate half of the game is effectively strong enough to him to be a whole game. I do kind of wish they'd just made pirate Ubisoft game. <laughs> Partially uh, because I just like seeing new licenses. Like, I remember how excited we were when Assassin's Creed was new. And I don't mind them doing a couple of sequels, refine the formula. Two was definitely better than one. Uh, well, I think the, uh, I think the, uh, the, uh, the thing about the, the Ubisoft formula, though, especially, it shows up really well in Assassin's Creed, is the, that the, the formula itself is so refined now that the, the games themselves don't really carry themselves, care, aren't carried really on the gameplay because it's all just rote now. We know what we're getting with, with Ubisoft game. Yeah. So they have to carry themselves on their environment and their personality. And that's why Assassin's Creed 3 didn't work. Absolutely. But I mean, then, you know, make it a new, different, exciting personality. Like you have Assassin's Ubisoft game and <laughs> that's quite cool. And you could also have Pirates Ubisoft game and those don't have to, like, I, I just feel like it didn't need to crib off Assassin's Creed's popularity, basically. Because as you say, we know what the gameplay is like and we know that's gonna be solid. <laughs> so. Speaking as a particularly obnoxious kind of nerd. <laughs> I feel that the Assassin's Creed story is one of the weakest elements of the Assassin's Creed franchise. The thing I liked the most about Assassin's Creed 1, and the thing that made me excited for it, was the way that the Assassin's jobs were handled. In that, here is your target, here are side missions you do to prepare yourself for that target. You don't have to do all of them. If you do all of them, you're more prepared and you have more stuff to do. But broadly speaking, it felt more like they were saying, here is what you need, here is a target, Work out the way you mm. want to take them out. And that meant that for one playthrough, I effectively was Batman in a bedsheet and I did everything. <laughs> and in another game, I was just this really compulsive pickpocket. I did all the pickpocket side missions and none of the ones I didn't have to, aside from that. And that, just the difference in character of that, because suddenly all the puzzles, if you just go pickpocket, a lot of the, a lot of the assassinations in Assassin's Creed 1 are really hard. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't have nearly as much information when you go in. Uh, and, and, and the game does reflect that. There are certain times where guards aren't present because Altair's like, well, I'll make sure those guards don't show up by getting them, I think it was drunk? Anyway. Mm -hmm. The point being that that type of game, that formula of very loose construction of your own experience was fun. Assassin's Creed 2 went more linear where it was much more, you have to do each yeah, story it was beat. a lot more scripted. And that's not necessarily worse. It's just, it didn't appeal to me as much. Assassin's Creed 4, to fast forward onward through, like, five games, Assassin's Creed 4 <laughs> seems to have made it as much about, like, the linear thread of that single story is, what, maybe 20% of that game, to hear tell? There's just lots of exploring, lots of extra collectible stuff, and lots of missions and value you can get out of that game. Lots of pirating. Lots of pirating. One thing that still weirds me out, though, with the uh, recruitment angle of the Assassin's Creed games that came in after Brotherhood. I'm surprised there's not, like, an iOS game tie-in for that. There's not? Isn't there? I, I thought there was. There's, there is a, and brace yourself, Jeb, there is a historical collectible card game for Assassin's Creed Revelations. <laughs> Fuck. 
That's a good response. But I I could not find an Assassin's Creed style assassin manager, which I I kind of want. <laughs> assassin. I, I, I play that. Uh, Premi has been playing Brotherhood quite a bit lately, and he's remarked that he just coincidentally wound up with a guild that was all women and one dude. And, and after he noticed this, the first time, he's like, well, whenever I recruit a dude, I kind of don't want to keep him, so I send him off on a ridiculous mission and, and get him killed. And he tried this with that one dude who was left. It's like, level one character, level five mission. Eh, he'll get killed. Send him out. And he comes back. He comes back and he's like, six levels higher. Well, well you were dead. All right, you've earned it. Fair enough. You can stay around. It's like, what did you... What did you do? How? I, comes no, back I don't want to know. Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he just, um, the guy, you know, caught smallpox or something. <laughs> We're like, oh, huh, well, well, my work is done. <laughs> Bye, guys. The the uh, framing device of Assassin's Creed. Mission was a total success. <laughs> the framing device of the Assassin's Creed universe is really useful for playing with a whole bunch of really interesting things. Our understanding of history, the idea mm. of culture as a lens through which we reflect history, the relationship between parents and children. There is so much stuff they could do, and they didn't. No. Yeah, the I I really liked the frame device at first. I thought this is a clever way to explain away all the obviously gamey elements that you have to have, and you know that's kind of cool. Good on them for coming up with something for that. They just did nothing with it. Like in Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, there is a section of memory you can't get to because, yeah. and they never explain. It. They just say because it's damaged. Fine. Like, so I thought this was going to be something really clever about actually trying to psychoanalyze Ezio and looking at his memories with this sort of, he has a damaged like memory. Be repressed something, something traumatic or, happened yeah. to him. No, no it's, it's DLC. just a boss battle. And DLC, yeah, it's a DLC and a boss battle. And that's it. <laughs> and I mean, this is a game where you're explicitly playing with memories. How many, how many games do we know where we talk about, yeah, this character probably has PTSD. Like, if the whole point of the game is you're playing with memories, imagine a game where there is a repeating difficult section you have to go back to regularly when your character gets triggered. I mean, that that sucks, but it's a way of expressing that experience for people who don't even know that PTSD is a thing. And, you know, frankly, Ezio has a remarkably light reaction to most of his family getting murdered. Like, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to take revenge for them. I feel this very deeply in my manly soul. And the only way I will interpret this emotion is revenge, because I'm a dude in a video game. I particularly liked the the unfortunate writing happenstance, which projects Ezio as kind of a, a classist jerk. Mm-hmm. Where, oh, it just so happens that all the people he assassinates, yeah, are the not no, uh, you know, the the falsely noble, the usurpers, <laughs> where, people who just have money but don't have pedigrees. And 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 at the very end of the game, the very end of Assassin's Creed Two, he has just fist fought Rodrigo Borgia. He's fighting the Pope. He beats him up, and then he then he gets the option go. to kill him, and says. No, no, he cannot hurt me now. <laughs> what could he possibly do to history? He's the fucking Pope! <laughs> He's Rodrigo Borgia. And the next, and the very next thing, narratively, that happens if you play the two games back to back is the Pope's yeah, force show up and totally. blow up his home. Yep. The, the best thing that would be after that is if you, you know, flash back to the present world setting and everyone's just sitting around going, did he just fucking do, oh my god, oh no. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it would have worked if it was like, oh, I don't know that this is Rodrigo Borgia. I don't know that this guy has a reputation as one of the worst people in history. Like, in an actual... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, from Rodrigo's <laughs> point of view, you could sort of buy that. But then the thing to do would be to jump back and have everyone who does know about this guy's reputation going, oh... What? No! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but the game builds it up. The game the game is like, oh, yes, this Rodrigo Borgia is a really dangerous character. He's a really bad dude. And then you fight him, and then you're like, nah, he'll be fine. Nothing's, nothing wrong. Nothing bad can happen from this at all. Trust nothing. me, I got this. <laughs> this guy is just Rodrigo Borgia can't do anything bad. What accent was I trying to do that? <laughs> oh, you studied Italian. <laughs> I did. For shame. <laughs> you know what it was? I was probably trying not to be too racist, and therefore I just somehow became Spanish itself. <laughs> Are you saying that a Spaniard I'm is a less sorry, racist I'm Italian? So- <laughs> I, I'm sorry, Italian teacher from 8th grade. I take it back. Um, there is uh, one thing I wanted to mention. Yep. Also, from an extremely nerdy standpoint. Yeah. Very first thing that happens when Kenway gets his assassin gear uh, it sets off that this is going to be a lot different than other Assassin's Creed games. The first thing he does is after he puts on Walpole's assassin robe and drives his weapons and everything, he throws away the hidden blade. Oh. Are you going to say he triggers the hidden blade accidentally and cuts his own finger off with it? <laughs> he throws it away. He gets, he gets a pair awesome. of hidden blades later. But the, you do the first chapter of the game, or you do, you do a, no, it's not the entire first chapter. Most of it without the hidden blades. That's pretty interesting. I do appreciate that. There's a definite aspect of, I don't know, I could learn to <laughs> like use this, I could this. just use the sword I've been using for the rest of my life so far. <laughs> Kill some things. I'm really good at these, these swords. I use those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another tiny detail, and I don't know if this carries through, but uh, Altair does less damage punching people than Ezio did, <laughs> and I'm kind of hoping that Kenway does even more. <laughs> Kenway is really good at knocking people out with his fists. Yeah, because in Altair's case, Altair disdained punching people. He really didn't have... He's like, oh, I'm not a fighter, I'm an assassin. Whereas Ezio was a brawler who had fun to fight in streets. And I just kind of imagine Kenway is like the next step on that. Well, He yeah. should have an upgradable fist weapon where I can hit people with a bottle. Well, that's uh, And for what it's worth, Connor, in the middle there, Connor uh, had some really interesting brawly moves. I was well. actually just about to go, but we're talking about these Assassin's Creed games in continuity, and that for some reason we're always saying <laughs> Altair, Ezio, and Kenway. <laughs> I think there was another guy at some point along that trip. Yeah, so- there, there was someone else, yeah. I feel so sorry for Connor. Look, due diligence, I, I will give Ubisoft this. They did a better and more respectful job handling the Mohawk people than I would have expected from any video game developer. Mm-hmm. So big ups to them on talking to Mohawk people, getting Mohawk consultants in, respecting Mohawk uh, traditions and beliefs. Naming. The DLC. And then the DLC happened. <laughs> oh, dear. Tell me what happens in the DLC. It, oh, hang on, uh, let me guess. Um, okay, is it is it Totem Animal Spirit Visions? Yes. Oh, uh-huh. hell yes! And... It was either going to be that or scalping. And Connor becomes a, like, full war bonnet wearing... Oh, no. Bone wearing uh... spirit shaman assassin, and it's just... 
Mm. I, well, I really, really I don't know for sure that's hella racist. Speaking as a white person who I don't think has ever had a conversation with someone of Native American heritage. Jack Ryan. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, there you go. I have one time. <laughs> but, okay, I, I feel like that's probably racist, such that I wouldn't touch it. Really yeah. racist. I, that instinct might be wrong. I, I, I like to, I hope in my heart of hearts, that that idea came from, like, a bunch of Mohawk teenagers who were like, hey, this would be (laughs) rad. But I suspect it was a bunch of white guys going, yes, this is what the natives do, don't they? (laughs) How can we work the native heritage angle harder? I like that you're ascribing a hoity-toity English accent to the French developers. (laughs) (laughs) Fine. What can we do to rock this spirit angle a little more, huh? To be fair, they're not French developers. They want to be French developers. I think my French developer might be trying to hit on someone. <laughs> hey, let me error check your code, baby. <laughs> now that's fucking racist. I really like the framing device in Assassin's Creed 4 because yeah. they use the Animus thing as they're making a video game. And the uh. they present... Uh, you know how... Ubi, in the first three or so games, uh, Ubi managed to create Abstergo up to basically be Google. Yes. They kind of went an interesting another step with Assassin's Creed 4, and they made Abstergo themselves. Yes. You're saying in this universe, uh, <laughs> they uh, Google acquired the Oculus Rift. <laughs> basically. But no, they, yeah. they actually went, they pretty much went fully into, like, they even referred to themselves like in the credits or in the the splash screen, right after uh, the Ubisoft logo is the Absterco Entertainment logo, <laughs> and then in another cool. really strangely self-aware moment, you meet up with the the boss of Absterco Entertainment, and uh, you're the the person who's showing you around. She says that you're going to be working on on uh, a particular project. And this higher up doesn't know which one that is. <laughs> That's perfect. So they are, they're going to rock the exoludic angle that all the players are being farmed to find out who has the soul of an assassin, right? Yeah. Awesome. No, no th- so nah. that, that's that's what they did in um in the what's it called uh in Avaline's game again. I, it's the best Assassin's Creed game. No, no, I mean like Ubisoft, the company, telling you the player. Oh. <laughs> yes, we're putting you through these simulators to see who will grok the natural talents of the assassins. Yes, there's nothing suspicious here at all. If, if they if they were actually like if Ubisoft were as clever as that, they'd be running an ARG <laughs> right now. Which is like assassin sweepstakes. <laughs> I'm sorry, I find that title just brilliantly funny for some reason. <laughs> well, you could do it. We have our okay. podcast episode title. Yeah. <laughs> we... It's just a, a ti- you know, it's a tiny little town field and you have to jump on and assassinate people and they just explode in showers of money and you have to find the jackpot. Are, are we writing Assassin's Creed Viva Pinata? <laughs> yes, and I'm okay with this. <laughs> I am down for that. That would be so cool. Uh, Speaking I, of air assassinations, even when the even when the the controls aren't quite working out the way they should, I, I want them to. It's still funny. <laughs> I was I I was doing a I was doing a side mission and I was in a restricted area and I was climbing above a couple of guards on a tree on over on, on some tree limbs. 
and I go to press the, the, uh, you know how it has in the corner, it has your little interface with which bu- uh, button prompts are available. The assassinate one comes up, and I assume that's going to give me a chance to assassinate these guards I'm over top of. Yeah. No. <laughs> Instead, Jump Kenway jumps top. off the branch, <laughs> drawing his swords and plunging them into a big. <laughs> It was a cavernous pig. <laughs> and oh, then, that's wonderful but and terrible. This being this being oh, a good please. Assassin's this being a good Assassin's Creed game, I was then able to quickly get up, pull my pistol, shoot one, spin around, shoot the other one, and then get into a sword fight. As if I meant to do that. <laughs> I don't think has anyone ever meant to do like you don't enter a scene by assassinating a pig. If you that, that would showy. still throw me off. One other thing about Assassin's Creed 4 that kind of stands out, it's one of a very, very small number of video games with a Welsh protagonist. Yes. Even games from Wales typically don't have Welsh protagonists. What games from Wales? You made that up. Well, there are a couple. I I was just making a joke. One of them is called Gravity Badges. <laughs> are they Welsh badgers? Well, they're in space, so you couldn't tell, really. Are they in space whales? <laughs> they're in space whales are in Beyond Good and Evil. You anyway. fight space whales. Space whales are always the bad guys. Space whales are in are in Final Fantasy IV. Oh, yeah. So what we're saying is Beyond Good and Evil is set in Final Fantasy IV, right? Right. Yes. Both of which are spin-offs of Skies of Arcadia. Yeah. The Skies of Arcadia mega continuity continues. I really liked how they handled the space <laughs> whale in that game. By the way, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but it was extremely touching. So, uh, hey Fox, what have you been playing? Oh yeah, there's other much. <laughs> we just did half an hour on Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I was hoping that we might just gloss past me and I wouldn't have to go, nah. I'm a lazy asshole. I haven't even played Hyrule Warriors this week. You have. I've had to do real person stuff. You have played Hyrule Warriors this week. Trust me, I, I'm I'm sure that you have played it this week. Maybe like on Monday, right at the beginning of the week. Yeah, you've been busy. So long ago that I've forgotten about it. <laughs> to be fair, that would be yesterday for you. But for prior to that, I was skull grinding on the adventure map. Yeah. Some of them are really hard to get. Oh. And uh, I'm pretty much on the hook for the next map, at least because the Master Quest map, quest map has alternate costumes. Oh. As High-level rewards, including Wind Waker Ganon! Yes! The best of Ganons. Yes, Wind Waker Dwarf is a badass. The other ones, I, I care very little about. As for myself... So, Talon, what have you been playing? <laughs> I have played a smattering of things, not enough of any of them to have a lot to say. It's a good thing I've been, obs- I, I've been compulsively playing Assassin's Creed 4 then. I forgot, there has been one wonderful thing in my gaming life. I found a Marth Amiibo! Like, not for 60 fucking dollars on eBay! Yay! They actually appeared in store again. It was good times. So, uh... Just... Sorry, back to you, Talon. No, it's, it, it, it's alright. I didn't have a lot of interesting stuff to say. I was just going to mention that I've been starting on and not finishing a couple of games. Particularly Hyperdimension Neptunia, uh, Winter in Fairbrook, and the Charnel House Trilogy. I've Trump really been in a want. weird set of moods. I just want to say, I have to mention Neptunia is a great demonstration of why I'm always cautious about games with entirely female casts. <laughs> because, okay, diverse casts, or primarily female casts, with only a few male characters, those are usually, you know, ordinary games that happen to have women in them. Games with all-female casts tend to be massive perfests, where I feel like I'm supposed to be, you know... In a trench coat, uh, in a dark theatre... Let's say sexually harassing the main characters. 
the odd thing is, just from my anecdotal experience with Neptunia, is that it's it's been more often women enjoying playing it and men complaining about it. That's as may be. I will say it is a very girly game. It's like that so particular like, aesthetic of girly in how it feels and how the, the, the kinesthetics of play. You know, that slight bounciness to everything. And yes, the bounciness mm-hmm. of the boobs is a thing as well. But I, I wouldn't really call that girliness, I have yeah. to say. Okay. Especially the boob bounce bit. That's secondary to what I was talking about, but yeah, fair enough. It does have really nice 2D, uh, like that style of, I think it's vector rigging once again, I'm not totally sure. I think it is. But, uh, yeah, very smooth, minor animations, very smoothly rigged. Yeah. Instead of static portraits. Looks lovely in that respect. Yeah. And again, most of the people I know who care about it at all are women. I, I don't know any boys who've ever mentioned it to me, aside from Jeb making jokes about it. And so, still, the gameplay experience reminded me a lot of my time playing, uh, the atelier I put some time into. Can't remember the name of it. There are lots of ateliers, damn it. Uh, the classic atelier I put some time into. Yeah. I didn't know you played any of the ateliers. Yeah. I've put like half an hour. I thought you told me about, I thought you played Aisha or whatever. No, I I played Aisha. Fox played Aisha. I watched and took notes. And play, same deal with Rorona. Same deal with Esker and Lucy. I know one of those three that we own, I played for a bit while you weren't here. You don't own Rorona. Well, I know one of the three that we own, (laughs) I played. We own two. That's what I'm saying. Unless you count Lucy as a separate person. Oh, that's what my brain's doing. It's going to tell you (laughs) and Lucy. Eska. Whatever. Eshi. Eshi and Logue. Yeah. That's that's the 1980s surf movie, I tell you. <laughs> Logue. I have to say, before the characters announced their own names, it was to me Eska and uh, Logie. <laughs> and Logie is a terrible name. Anyway. The... I'm not saying Logie is better, especially once you find out it's Logics. It's such a dorky name. They have very stupid names. <laughs> But, uh, but game has Thraya, so... But my point is that the the action RPG elements of it feel like they are deliberately draped with that particularly energetic Japanese girliness. You have bright neon pink chunks of interface. You have neon on purple on white le- uh, damage numbers. You have a whole bunch of the characters' movements in combat uh, project different types of girly... Well, the characters are girly, for sure. Uh, anyway, the basically what I'm saying is that the the whole thing it feels deliberate. It feels very thoroughly crafted to have this aesthetic. Yeah, I think part of the reason I take this the way that I do is because I'm so detached from girlishness that when I see that, all I see is fetish material. Yeah, yeah. whereas actual girly people might see it and go, hey, a game that feels like things yeah. I like. Whereas to me, that seems like fake versions of women aimed at men, so it always makes me very uncomfortable. This is the same problem I have with most magical girl shows. Yeah. And uh, Winter in Fairbrook is a game where you do badly at a part-time job at a florist and try to get a cute boy in a sweater. Like, everyone is oh, wearing sweaters. Oh, this is the visual novel. Yeah, everyone's wearing sweaters. It's a really cute game. <laughs> the boys are of a variety of interesting and cute. I There's not a lot to say about it. I'm not very good at it. I'm <laughs> apparently quite crap at, you know, collecting uh, plants on time. No, getting seeds at the right time. You've got to buy the special seeds, you see. Uh, the Charnel House trilogy is... Really, really stylish. It looks really, really good. I think I got stuck and went away feeling silly. 
Is it like with a name like that? This is a horror series, right? It's made by the same woman, uh, same team who made uh, Richard and Alice, the post-apocalyptic depression fest. It's not. That's not a horror game so much, is it? Oh, there's oh, horror in that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Richard and Alice, not a supernatural horror, but definitely a horror game. Hey, okay. I thought it was more a depression game. Anyway, it's a. But okay, no, tell me about Channel House trilogy. Not Channel House trilogy is. Oh, it's, it's kind of hard to describe with the like anything I say will sound a bit like ad copy because for the most part I haven't played very far into it. Tell me basic stuff. You said not supernatural horror in Richard and Alice. Does that mean Channel House? Channel House has a, a okay. supernatural element to it. I haven't gotten to that yet. <laughs> it, is, like a... it is inferred in the, in part two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very and what is it? It's a point and click, or yeah, it's it's, just... it's a straight up point and click. Does a lot of the smart interface things that I've talked about with point and click adventures that were made after Grim Fandango started doing. <laughs> and are you playing an ordinary protagonisty kind of thing, or you know, a, a ghost or a cat or? Uh, at the moment, I might be playing a ghost for all I fucking know. No, um, <laughs> she is a... <laughs> oh shit, Bruce Willis was... Oh no! You know what? Basically, she is a pretty unhappy lady. That's pretty much my summary at this point. Believably unhappy, just kind of unhappy. No, a female protagonist, that's unusual. Though not for this developer, but... Not for this developer, and also not for point-and-click adventures anymore. Um, especially when you consider that hidden objects are kind of point-and-click adventure games. I'd honestly argue that's probably the factor of games where you're more likely to have a female protagonist. <laughs> yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. probably true. I don't... I wouldn't consider hidden objects point-and-click adventure <coughs> games exactly. Um, but that might be because the ones I've played have been soulless garbage that you couldn't rightly call adventure. Um, I have a, such a nebulous. Well, they're more like point-and-click puzzle. The like the, the connecting threads are very token. Whereas I understand there's a different like the kind of game your mum plays, which are usually versions of mystery stories, or like you know here you are in this famous location from history, or this famous event from history, and there's a mystery to solve kind of thing. Hmm. And I assume the story is a lot more adventurous in those than in the kind of junk I've played. Mm. Uh, I I have one that's uh, that's based on. Uh, at the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is a very good genre source pairing, I think. Yeah. So, like, I when you're doing your... when you good things about that one. When you're doing your the, the hidden object puzzles, it's like, instead of, you know, it's like, ooh, find the watch, find the... This one's like, find the corpse. <laughs> find the thing that should not be. Do they have, like, all the, you know, red herring things that aren't actually what you're looking for? Do they have all just, like, weird little discomforting facts about them? And, you know, wait, why why am I finding this? What's relevant about this? That's kind of, kind of both, really. I know that James Portnow of James Recommends mentioned that there was a series of hidden object games based on Lovecraft work by one developer. Mountains and Madness was the first one they did, and he mentioned that in one of the subsequent games, they started fucking with the interface. Oh. (laughs) When you get your mouse cursor near the thing you're trying to pick up, the cursor slows down. (laughs) Doesn't stop. Doesn't... It it doesn't push away, but there is this sort of... That's nice. You've got to really try for it. It's kind of remind. It's reminds. It's an opposite of something that happens in Kentucky Route Zero, but I'm not going to talk about it because ah! people still haven't played it. Ah <laughs> oh, no, I've got to. Yeah, okay, that's pretty cool. Normally, I am. Um, 
Normally I'm against interface fuckery, but for horror games, it's kind of exactly what you want. Yeah, especially because the interface is one of the elements of the play experience where the player directly interfaces with it as a feel (laughs) rather than as a thought. The reason I don't like those mechanics is precisely the reason that they are effective, because that's the thing I'm supposed to control. That's Mm. the thing that is predictable. And the, you know, the entities in the game, that's what you have to, you know, go up against. Whereas, you know, fundamentally changing the way you interact with the interface without telling you is... That's like a shortcut to fuck. Yeah, but it, in when you're dealing with a hidden object game and you've got very limited options for the player's experience as well, I think use every tool in your bag. I really can't wait now for you to play... <laughs> because when you get to it, I just know there's either going to be a Twitter message or a Skype message that says, fuck! <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> also going on currently with not games I've played, but games I'm looking forward to playing is the current Humble Weekly Bundle. You were telling me about this. Yes. Um, this is uh, Female Protagonist again. Yes, it? the Leading Ladies Bundle, which whatever you feel about that particular title, it's still a bunch <laughs> of games with ladies as protagonists, which is also coincidentally games that are cool. <laughs> uh, Hack and Slash, which I watched Andy McClure play and looks really interesting and fun. I didn't realize that I had a female protagonist. That's kind of cool. It's it's a Zelda-like with a with a lady in the lead role, and there's not a lot like there. It's it's like as with most Zelda games, like. Yeah. Did, wait, didn't you say it was a Zelda like that you can hack? Yeah. Okay, that's a little different. <laughs> wait, is that hack and slash? Hack that and slash, yeah. I thought that was like 867 hack or whatever. Uh, it's a different game. 868 hack is a different game. No, hack and oh. slash is a Zelda like explorer up where you can do things like violate the game code. <laughs> I need to call get, it that. I need to get that for myself and Allison. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds a lot of fun. Uh, Andy compared it as well to Fjords, but better structured. So if you played Fjords, which is another game with lots of breaking the rules to make the game work. I have a tendency of fighting for Fjords. (laughs) (laughs) Also, in the second bracket, there is The Marvelous Mistake. I saw that. I don't want to play that just because it looks stylish as fuck. I, I cannot believe it has taken us this long to have a game like The Marvelous Mistake. It's like Mistake. they made a Carmen San Diego where you actually play Carmen San Diego. Wait, what? that. What? Oh, oh, yeah. Marvelous Mistake is a stealth game set in museums where you are playing what is effectively like teen Carmen San Diego, uh-huh. stealing, stealing back her stuff from museums that nicked them from her family. Uh-huh. <laughs> And it has a great soundtrack. It has a wonderful, vibrant, colorful style. It has good mechanical implementation of stealth, like all those little things that you know amateur stealth designers don't think of, things like reaction time and recovery methods and all that stuff. It's really well handled. Uh Um, The the best thing I can go for this is a friend of mine started playing it and got all the achievements. And then she was like, okay, I'm probably done. (laughs) So it's, it's, it's the kind of game you dive into repeatedly. Nice. And also in the top tier, there's Gravity Ghost, which I believe Jeb has spoken about quite happily. Yes, it is wonderful and it is beautiful and you should play it. Oh, also Lumino yeah. City. I have not played that. I have heard about it, but I don't know much about it. So... I, I played Lumino, or Lumino. I played the, the original game and it's charming as all heck. It's made of paper. Oh, cool. Ooh, I like games that do that. There's also a game in the list which I I don't know anyone has played, but the way it describes itself is a hip-hop rhythm bullet hell. The City Sleeps? Yes. Made by Harmonix. With a female protagonist? 
Rad. Yes. I'm into that. So yeah, it looks like a really well, good bundle. I'm not. I'm into the existence of that. I'm not going to play that because I can't do Bullet Hell. It's impossible. <laughs> but you do get but, the soundtrack cool. for A City of Sleeps if you buy that tier. Hmm. And it also has uh, the complete trying two, which is very fun if you have two friends. Yeah. <laughs> we could probably swing that. Hmm. What two gaming dorks do I know? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I lost my best the... gaming dog a few years ago. I, I'm very much missing him with Hyrule Warriors being what it is. <laughs> Going, oh, if only I had someone who cares exactly as much as I do about obsessively collecting every last thing. Oh. One other question. Jeb, you've played Gravity Ghost. I haven't. Is the music particularly notable? It's lovely. Excellent. Is there a soundtrack for that as well? Yep. Yes. Nice. Yep, there's a, you get the soundtracks for um, Hack and Slash, City Sleeps, and the Trine Games if you get the bundle as whole. So so basically, most of what's in this bundle, if we do not recommend it, we anticipate it, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Perhaps a... we shall report back to you next week, dear listener, on uh, what we thought of the ones we hadn't played yet. Fantastic. Or I'm else definitely... they'll have been playing Final Fantasy and I'll have been playing nothing once again. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news is fit to print for the month of July 2009. Brought to you by offensive rude words. Feeling uncomfortable spaces since forever. Fuck. We have not a big crop of games. I mean, July is seemingly shovelware and sequel month. Uh, we're, we're doing July because I forgot July existed. Because I'm just the best. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had my school schedule planned. I was going to be... End of June, start of August, we're going to go... Oh, wait, there's a month in the middle there. Whoops. Our friends are wonderful, by the way, because when he told them about this, everyone at the table, completely deadpan, turned around and said, are you not supposed to be back at uni yet? I thought classes started this week. I had to go to a class. <laughs> <laughs> it was brilliant. I, I may have had several heart attacks, yes. <laughs> we have a indie game. That is now technically the start of its own franchise. It was an homage to a particular type of platform game back in the day. Sorry, what year are we in? 2009. Okay. Go on again. God, I have no idea. What was that, Jeb? What did you say again? 2009. Yeah. Platformer. Yep. It was a platformer that was trying to evoke a older platformer, in fact. La Mulana. <laughs> Wow, that's that that you're in the right pedigree of your renown, though not probably not nearly as good as La Mulana. Oh, oh uh, not as good. Uh, well so distributed. That, that but it's a cave story because cave story is excellent. Yep. Cave story is absolutely cave story, cave story is, is a million flawless. years older than that. No, cave story is no the original like the the first version of cave story very old. No, uh, all right, it's a game where you have multiple characters you can access. Platform, multiple characters. It has the Havoc engine. Trine. Everything. Trine. That's the one. That seems strangely strangely uh, familiar. I don't know yes. why we just mentioned that. They're trying to evoke an old... Oh, like Lost Vikings. Trine yeah. wanted yep. to be a Lost Vikings homage. They couldn't get the characters standing around to work. So Aww. they just went shape-shifting. And then they went full co-op. Well, co-op is good too, but I'd, I'd like to see more Lost Vikings-style games, by the way. Just that whole, you know, interaction of three characters with different abilities and they're goofy and charming and... Mm. Yeah. Well, doing goofy and charming is surprisingly hard for video games. <laughs> Speaking of goofy and charming, this is a game where a butler can punch people in the face. 
It's a franchise game. Mm. Is it an RPG? No. Because there's probably a lot of those where a butler can punch a person in the face. Probably. I, I know I take butler class whenever an RPG gives me the choice. <laughs> you have not played as many JRPGs as you should have. <laughs> All right. It is a Japanese game. With a butler. Uh-huh. With a butler character. It also has at least one probably gay guy in a Speedo. What the hell is he talking about? It has... Always in a Speedo, or is this just an occasional costume? He's usually in a Speedo and boots. I mean, same, but... <laughs> if you're making a Mega Man joke here, I'm going to kick your ass. It's not a Mega Man joke, but it is a Capcom game. Is it a Dead Rising? Nope. It's a game that also features people in pajamas punching one another. Is it a Dead Rising game? <laughs> Remember if any of these things have happened during Phoenix Wright. No, because that's Phoenix about Wright. that level of stupid. It is about that level. It, it's about that level of awesome. Thank you. Stupid, awesome. <laughs> Phoenix Wright doesn't doesn't make decisions. Is um, it Dark Stalkers? No, but you're in the right <laughs> genre of game. Oh god! If, Fighter, oh, Marvel vs. Capcom. Street Fighters. Just the worst. They make a million of these. Yeah, and it's the it's the most obvious like it's the baseline one of them. So like, it's a Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. <laughs> it's Street Fighter Four. Street Fighter Four, where Dudley is a butler who punches people, and Zangief is a probably gay dude in a speedo and boots. Pro- you know, if you said it was a fight game, I don't know why I don't make this game easier on you. Oh wait, that's right, because it's a game. <laughs> Dick. Games can don't have to be hard. Come on. Games have varying levels of difficulty appropriate to their audience. True. Or they get shunned. It's a point-and-click adventure remake, or, well, sorry, a point-and-click adventure sequel to an old franchise. Uh, one of the Monkey Island things? Tales of Monkey Island. Tales of Monkey Island. Yeah, I don't know Partial- any of, I don't know the right name. <laughs> Partial credit to both. <laughs> I wanted to love Tales of Monkey Island. I, I get the feeling it probably controlled better on the Wii, because it controlled, oh. like, balls in a wheelbarrow on the PC. <laughs> it, it was, it was a, it reminded me of in FPSs during the late 90s when they had the very rudimentary idea of being able to move remote control cars around <laughs> it, it controlled like that you basically were playing Duke Nukem playing a remote control car is there a game you can download that's just basically a remote control car simulator because now with the two analog sticks a controller basically is a remote car control from huh. when we were kids probably I bet someone's just made you know a toy car simulator alright then so it's a tie-in game. Is a tie-in game that's pretty unmemorable. Oh, I forget. Most of them. But the thing it ties into isn't particularly unmemorable. Okay, is it like a mystery dungeon game? No. <laughs> uh, Those are very memorable. It's a Western-developed movie game. Um, is it one of the Lord of the Rings tie-ins? No. Okay. Uh, is it a Batman? You're in, Jeb's in the right genre, and Fox, with Lord of the Rings, you're kind of at the level of cultural impact for its genre. Is it a Spider-Man tie-in? No. Did it get cancelled because the studio are thieving dirtbags? No. <laughs> okay. No, but the people who own the rights, according to the author, are thieving dickbags. No. It has a character who really shouldn't be regarded as kindly as he is. It has a lot of characters who shouldn't God, be regarded. Is it a Batman thing? <laughs> it doesn't have Batman, but it has a Batman analog. Is this a Freedom Force game? 
I think I, I think I would be kinder to a Freedom Force game. <laughs> oh God, no! This is like Champions Online or something. No, no, remember to tie into a movie. No, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, wait! Did, did, did this movie, in, did this game, in some way, was responsible for a lawsuit against its developer? <laughs> no, but that would have been the. Gr- oh, God, I, tell me they didn't make a kick-ass game. They didn't make a kick-ass game, but you're in the right general. Oh, you're, you're in the right area. Oh wait, was is it like the Watchmen game? It was the Watchmen game. Oh god, they made a Watchmen they, game. They made a Watchmen, Watchmen game. game. Oh, no. <laughs> Where you play parkouring, grappling, hooking, Rorschach. Mm, yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> what the f- <laughs> oh. <laughs> Friends don't let friends be fans of Rorschach. No, no. <laughs> alright, alright, okay. Setting aside that, <clears throat> we have a fight game. Like, this is actually a fighting game. It has an in Almost cast. I'm sorry, I'm still hurting from the knowledge that, that there's, there's a, a Watchmen, Watchmen game. You want to know a better part about it? It was an episodic game. Part of my soul is gone. There were two parts of it that came out. The third part never happened. Mm, no, you, you don't the first, say. The first two parts never happened. <laughs> but okay, a fight game with an enormous roster. How enormous? Um, I believe it's pared down from previous iterations. So King of Fighters. Yep, yeah, Fox is in the right franchise. <laughs> Uh, is it one of the, like, special spin-off King of Fighters nah. that's doing all the SNK franchises? Nah, it's just King of Fighters I fucking 12. love that crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, cool, let's get the characters from Metal Slug, whatever. <laughs> yeah, let's let you, let's let have a character fight someone in a tank, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's King of Fighters 12, which is freaking gorgeous. I just... <laughs> I am so glad they dropped the 3D thing and went back to just doing, like, some of the best sprites in games, period. I believe there is some degree of vector rigging in how they created the sprites. Yeah, yeah, sure. I don't care. That's fine. But yeah, that's uh, animated and vectoring sprites look fucking gorgeous. This is how Vanillaware does all their shit. And if they would go back to not doing creepy sexualized things, they would still be like the most amazing shit in video games. All right, now there is a game that is uh, this is this is effectively a free square because it came out July two thousand and nine. And honest to God, neither of you would ever be able to guess it with all the hints in the world. I thought a free square was a thing that we get automatically. The the point is there was a Punisher video game yeah in 2009 in uh-huh the punisher yep. no mercy tied in with the yeah with the made for tv movie that was pretty good and the game wasn't okay it was bad yeah i played it. The, 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 i guess the they game was, i played it by the way 90. i played it oh wow you did that's yeah. fantastic so did you get to the point did you get to the ending cutscene where there's like you can stab someone in the head as a quick time event and that's considered a moral choice do you think i actually played it that long no but no, the is like it, the, the third Punisher made for TV movie was actually good because it was corny as hell, and that kind of corresponds with that game, I think. To be fair, I think whether or not you stab someone in the head is a, a, like that is a moral choice, definitely. That that is quite an accurate description. <laughs> now here's the here's the kicker: the way that the Punisher No Mercy ends after you've done your obligatory crime rampage of murdering worse people than yourself. Frank gets recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. and becomes Black Widow's sidekick. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah, it, it, oh, poor writers of Punisher No Mercy. If only you had known what the next few years were going to hold uh. for that piece of continuity. <laughs> and, you know, am I missing something here? Like, Black Widow may be the most morally ambiguous of the Avengers, but... That that guy? No. 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 It's like when they did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover film, and the, 
the 2003 turtles were like oh god everyone from the 80s turtles is mikey and then the like comic book turtles showed up and they're like holy christ even raf thinks these guys are a bit hardcore i I, uh i just want to know listener if you got that reference (laughs) please send in for your prize (laughs) shut up Turtles. Yeah, turtles. Well, I kind of like 2003 Turtles because I actually wasn't a fan of 80s Turtles, which makes me outcast from Nerd Society forever. I like both of those those sets of Turtles. I'm a fan of Turtles too. It's just I don't think I know what will make look. They're delicious. Reference to a specific Turtles movie. Look, Turtles are delicious. They have a little pecan cluster. Pecan clusters. (laughs) Okay, so here's our last two games for this month. Forever. No more video games. (laughs) Well, what one of them? One of them could quite possibly be the end of games. It's a Windows release of an existing game, so it's a game where my wife is dead. I had a commando. Holy shit! Yes, you talked about it before the show. Don't be surprised. <laughs> I did. You did. Yes. Fuck. Yeah, you gave that one away. Oh well, yeah. It was, a, it was the Windows release of Bionic Commando, the new version, which still sucks. It's the new version, but not the new new version. And another re-release. Okay, it's a point-and-click adventure. It's Lou. Yeah, it's Lou. Huh? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Bullshit. This was my moment. <laughs> yes. 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 The date that will go down in infamy. <laughs> Well, listen, now you got to ask yourself, is there a chance that Fox will take the I'm going to mention Loom Belt back from Jeb? Tune in at the pay-per-view. I would. <laughs> That's why I picked this month. Oh, it's the Steam release of Loom. <laughs> Fox was... Fox, Fox was robbed, I say. Robbed, I tells you. <laughs> Oh I hate you all. <laughs> Jeb, are you Old Testament God? Because you just turned my wife into a pillar of salt. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have to recover from that. Okay, so Fox is not talking to the podcast anymore. Hey, Jeb, uh, something about rock band? Something? Anything about rock band? Very... <laughs> Something very amusing happened on, on Twitter uh, this past week. Uh, are you're, you're familiar with uh, the the official Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter having and how become it's been taken over by a, a social, funny fan, a very wonderful person who's turned into yes. a meme factory. Well, yes. um, at some earlier earlier this week, someone tweeted at uh, Harmonix and uh, the Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter, jokingly saying they should put uh, Live and Learn in Rock Band Four. Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account then went said, you know what? I am ready to live and learn like it's 2001. <laughs> CC'd in Crush 40. And then Crush 40 comes along and says on, and tweets out, well, we also want to have, uh, we want to have live and learn. We want to have, uh, uh, I, I am all of me and, oh, what was the other? I should be able to remember all three, but it had live and learn and I am all of me. It's like, and then the internet blew up <laughs> because this, the whole thing turned into uh, just a long thread of, I really want to see this in rock band. 
and the one guy who was trying who was trying to make the whole thing off as a joke, like, you know, I'm so much better than this, they should put Live and Learn into Rock Band, and a bunch of people are like, this is an amazing idea, and he's like, no, it's not, please, no, this is bad, I want it to be funny. And he's just basically crying. It's like, no, you don't believe in fun, go away. <laughs> These these rare wonderful moments where a th- where sincere and authentic love of a thing overwhelm cynical cruel jest and uh, you know I I admit those names you might as well have been naming Patagonian farmers I don't know those songs by name but that's amazing Jack Ryan and I actually just kind of started yelling at each other over Twitter wait what if they did this ah. <laughs> And then it happened. The the official Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter feed has become a thing of amazing post-trolling glory. It, it At one point, it was posting the garbage Sonic fan art, like, you know, gotta go fa- fast. And they anno- and it annoyed the heck out of a lot of people when on the... With the Supreme Court decision that got made, posting Sonic making out with Shadow on the official <laughs> account. Just, yes. Well, that's a thing that happened. <laughs> what we're saying is we are now living in a very strange world. A world where Sonic the Hedgehog gay fan art gets posted on official Sonic feeds, where Crush 40? Crush 40. Maybe? Crush 40 wind up getting into Rock Band, and where Fox steals my drink and thinks I won't call her out on it to the listener. I'm dobbing, listener. I'm totally dobbing. And now she's doing it again. She's refusing to talk to us because of Loom. That's been the Downloadable Concept Podcast. That's been Jeb. Fox? Fox? Fox! That's been the sulky baby fox. And that's been Talon. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect! I'm getting there. This is what we call a run-in to take the title back. Ladies and gentlemen, Fox Fox has just cashed in her money in the bank briefcase and taken the title back. Oh, my goodness. This this is too much for a folding chair. This requires a ladder. (laughs) We're very sorry, Lister, about so much. No, we're fucking not.